All right, hello and welcome to the Current Drive podcast, a production of JD Power. It's a new monthly plot podcast that we're launching, kind of delves into the most important topics in the world of electric vehicles. If you live here on planet Earth, which I assume you do, uh, you know that electric vehicles have become really, really popular, really important topic out there in the world. So this is our first episode. Uh, super excited to be here at this point. Definitely appreciate you tuning in. I'm Stuart Strop. I'm Senior Director of Automotive Retail, J.D. Power, also Managing Director of the Electric Vehicle Consideration Study that we publish. I'm going to pass the mic to my, my co-host, my partner in crime, all things EV, voice of customer at, uh, at J.D. Power, Brent Gruber. He's going to introduce himself and, and say a few words about what we're trying to do with the, pro with the podcast. Brent? Yeah, thanks, Stuart. Welcome to the show, everyone. My name is Brent Gruber, Senior Director of Global Automotive Quality at J.D. Power and the Managing Director of the Electric Vehicle Experience. You know, with the Current Drive podcast, Stuart and I wanted to develop a podcast that was very conversational and shed some light on our interactions within the industry. Throughout our careers, we've had a unique opportunity to work with a lot of people in a lot of different companies from across the, uh, the automotive spectrum. And everything from OEs, OEMs, and suppliers to dealers and service facilities. But like a lot of people within the automotive space, over the last couple of years, we've uh, made a sharp turn towards electric vehicles. It's a big focus uh, of our efforts and what we do. And uh, through a lot of that work, we recognized that there was a strong need for information uh, around EVs. There was a lot of, um, you know, a lack of information and a lack of clarity around the EV industry. And so we wanted to provide a podcast that provided people with the opportunity to listen into conversations among friends with guests from across the industry. And hopefully you'll find this podcast fun, enjoyable, and informative. Hey, before we go any further, I do want to please ask everybody subscribe. Please subscribe to Current Drive on YouTube, wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, you can also engage with us on Twitter at current underscore drive. Um, so, so we've structured this podcast into a few key segments, including conversation with EV thought leaders, EVs in the in the larger space uh, as, as a guest. Um, we're super excited to have our very own Tyson Jomini with us, VP of Data and Analytics at J.D. Powers. He's, he's our guest on today's show, this inaugural episode. Uh, so definitely stick around for that. It's going to be very exciting. Uh, but first, we, Brent and I kind of want to kick things off with the news roundup segment that uh, that we want to do here where we just kind of talk about some of the hot topics that are going on right now in in the world of evs and brent i, I think we we gotta start with uh this lucid air epa rating that uh that just came out recently this i think caught a lot of people uh by surprise uh mm -hmm. you know it's it's crazy that this this vehicle <clears throat> the air dream edition range got an EPA rating of 520 miles. <laughs> that is that is the longest range EV that's, that the EPA, EPA has ever rated. It's more than the, the Mercedes-Benz EQS, which came in at 478 miles. More than the Tesla Model S long range comes in at 405. Unbelievable. 
right? I mean, this is yeah. How, how much is this going to change the game? Do you think? Yeah, it's it's a game changer. N- you know, not not in the sense that you know they'll they'll sell a, a ton of those, but it's a game right. t- changer from a technology perspective. Five hundred and twenty yeah. miles is is an astronomical range in in this day and age, and you know, even just a few years ago, that's something that would have been unfathomable. Five hundred and twenty miles, totally. you know, and and you know, yeah. the gold standard for the longest time were Teslas, and they had you know ranges in the the three hundreds, which was really good and cer- certainly sufficient for for most people's needs. But then you have a yeah. product like this coming to the market with five hundred and twenty miles. And, uh, you know, I think that that does change, change the game. You know, you and I both know that, um, you know, range anxiety is a big barrier to consideration for electric vehicles. Yeah. So, you know, product sure. like this will create a lot of awareness and get people thinking about EVs, hopefully. Absolutely. You know, and, and, and to your point, we do all this research in the, in the space on purchase consideration. Yeah, you, you know, we ask EV non-considerers or people who are kind of rejecting the idea of evs what would it take you know in terms of range and you get responses from people that you know i i think almost kind of trying to dismiss the the notion would say things like you know 500 miles okay that's that's what i'd have to get well yeah (laughs) now you've got to ask and you shall receive (laughs) yeah exactly incredible so that's that's great great stuff no yeah. question about it. There's a lot going on in the industry and, and um, yeah. you know, some exciting times and a lot of movement. And I think, you know, I'm really excited to hear from our, our guest coming up here, yes. uh, Tyson Jomini. You know, speaking of somebody who's plugged into what's going on within the market, Tyson Jomini, vice president of J.D. Power's uh, data and analytics group, is someone who's very plugged into uh, the market and what's uh, going on with activity. So we'll... Uh, bring Tyson onto the show. Tyson, welcome to Current Drive. Now, I'm fascinated with you know some of the information that comes out of your your group. You know, Stuart and I talk frequently about um, you know a lot of the new products that are coming to market, and obviously, a lot of those are electric vehicles. And you know, we've talked a great deal around electrified versions of vehicles that consumers know and love. You know, in particular pickup trucks and you know maybe years back we saw a lot of vehicles that um you know, looked different from other vehicles on the as far as evs go but now we're seeing more mainstream electric vehicles what's your what's your take on uh you know how how these vehicles are, are being received within the market and what are the prospects for these types of products yeah i mean there's a lot of different ways to look at that i mean certainly uh, what the industry hasn't really done, still in my opinion, is is test uh, the mainstream vehicle uh, for EVs. I mean, we have we have very low end uh, compact hatchbacks, uh, what I would call EV 1.0. I mean, that was the original idea, right? Take a, a cheap car and and put an expensive powertrain in it, and let's see if you know if if the time that peanut butter and chocolate came together would make Reese's peanut butter cups. Well, you know what we found is that you know the one thing that people uh, you know didn't trust more than, than EVs at the time were, were hatchbacks. So we put them together and that didn't work. And then of course, Tesla comes around and they've got this amazing idea to, to make it sexy and fun in a tech product. And, and that certainly uh, showed us that there's a, a better way, perhaps a, a different way to do it, but it's still a, a, an expensive vehicle. 
um, that, that is really, um, in, in ma many cases, not quite mainstream, but Model 3 is probably the most mainstream of their products. Um, but what are we missing? Well, we're missing, we're missing mainstream SUVs. I mean, normal, shaped, uh, high-function vehicles, and we're missing pickup trucks, really. Mm -hmm. um, and so we haven't tested that yet. So we don't really know uh, what the true appeal of EVs will look like because those vehicles haven't really hit the market, uh, you know, as, as we're recording this. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, I think the F-150, correct me if I'm wrong, is the number one selling vehicle, right? So, you know, it certainly resonates with consumers. So I think there's a lot to be seen, um, you know, with the electrified version, the F-150 Lightning coming to the market. Now, you, you touched on something that I think is particularly interesting, and that's the expense of electric vehicles. You know, obviously, these products are, are very expensive. And, um, you know, the, uh, there isn't a lot available for consumers, maybe on the lower end of the spectrum, more affordable vehicles. But at the same time, I've seen information come out of your group showing that the average purchase price is, uh, for a vehicle is rising rapidly. Um, you know, I, I think 40000 dollars right, for a, for a new vehicle purchase now. Does that sort of condition consumers to accepting higher cost products like these EVs? Yeah, I mean, uh, whether the industry wanted it or not, prices are, are certainly up, as you said. I mean, we, we crossed 41000 for the first time last month for the average for the month. And uh, that was after just crossing 40,000 for the first time. And these prices are, are up about 18% from, from year over year levels. I mean, just massive price growth um, for, for you know, the, the industry overall. Um, we, we recently took a look at, at prices of EVs, now transaction prices. So you're going to get government incentives, um, at least the, the federal tax credit, and you're going to get automaker incentives in these numbers. So they'll be a little bit lower than, than maybe you're familiar with from a, an MSRP type basis. Uh, but when we looked at it, we broke it down between car, SUV, and truck. And believe it or not, um, if you want an EV, you can get it at any price point. And I mean that, I mean, from below 20K and at every $10,000 price band up to 100,000, there is, an, there is a, a car EV and an SUV EV in every single one of those price bands, which just kind of floored us. Um, that 78% of all price points in the industry, uh, you know, measured by, by body style, there's an EV there. Um, but the, the, the kick here is that there's only, in many cases, one EV there. So if you don't want a Nissan Leaf, or if you don't want a Mini Cooper or a, a Hyundai uh, Kona, there, you know, that may not suit your need, but recognizing that at, the, at each price point, there is at least one vehicle there for everything except you know, trucks, um, as mentioned. Uh, there are no pickup trucks. Uh, Rivian is shipping you know, recently, um, mm -hmm. but there, there's basically no pickup trucks. Um, otherwise, though, you could get something at every price point. So there, there are affordable EVs, but you have to be pretty specific in your definition. You know, do you want, uh, you know, at the time, like a Fiat 500e, uh, or do you want the Leaf? I mean, and as we go up the price ladder, there gets to be slightly more choices, uh, but the choice is still relatively limited. And to my earlier point, uh, many of these are, are either a hatchback uh, or a sedan or a uh, a, a sort of a, a fastback SUV, but what what still really isn't there is that is that you know Audi Q5 shaped vehicle or the uh, Toyota Rav4 type vehicle uh, that meets more consumers' needs uh, at the various price points. Yeah. It's really interesting that 
you know, what we see in, in some of the data with this with these VOC studies that we're publishing is that there, you know, a, among your everyday shoppers out there that are familiar with ICE vehicles, familiar with these these longstanding brands in the market, uh, when we when we ask them to kind of look at, at at some of the new upcoming models, like like the Maki is out now, obviously, you know, why they're interested in those vehicles. The the ones from the conventional automakers tend to post really high metrics in terms of affinity for the brand or familiarity with the brand. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it seems like there's really kind of a sweet spot that these full line automakers that have been in the market for decades could really kind of capitalize on by having all that loyalty from their existing customer base, all the familiarity that's already out there around their brands, and then bringing these really cool new electric vehicles to market. I mean, do, do you see that really being a kind of, a, you know, a potential advantage for, for, for some of the full line automakers? Oh, yeah, I mean, a- absolutely. Um, you know, we see loyalty in our uh, automotive brand loyalty study was was close to 50%, close enough to call it that, um, for the industry overall, uh, which means, you know, if you're if you're looking to conquest, there's not a lot of consumers in the market. I mean, basically only half uh, of of the total size of the market are are in play for you to to conquest, and then you have to have the ability to conquest that consumer. So you know if you're Ford and you have uh, the Mustang Mach E, your ability to conquest a, a Chevy owner um, is there's only half of them will be you know ready to to look elsewhere, and then of that fifty percent is Ford's ability to conquest, um, and so the the numbers turn out to be pretty small for the ability to do it. Therefore. We need more variety. We need more automakers yeah. because consumers are so loyal to their their brands. Uh, they mm-hmm. they love to return to their brands and to the dealer that sold them the car and get another one. Um, yeah. And so when you yeah. you factor those uh, those individual items, it, it makes it a lot difficult for to just to say you know to my earlier stat we've got a, an EV in every price point. Well, you know the ability for that EV to meet the needs is is very limited. So we need more vehicles. We need this F one fifty Lightning man. That that's the one I'm. I'm well, that and Rivian, I'm most excited about. Yeah. Um, but the F-150 Lightning, I mean, it just how big it is, it, as you mentioned, it's been the number one selling vehicle for 44 years. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that, that's every year of my life. Yeah. Um, and, and so to, to put an EV in there, that's when we're going to find out what, what EV you know, acceptance looks like. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Americans love trucks. No question about it. Now, speaking of the Mustang Mach-E, Tyson, I saw you tweet about this the other day. And for those of you who may not be aware, Tyson is a very prolific tweeter if that's the appropriate <laughs> word <laughs> so so we wanted to uh take this opportunity to do a tweet talk with you and talk a little bit about some of your your tweets this should be fun. You, know, you can follow tyson on twitter at, at tyson underscore jomini is j-o-m-i-n-y um so Stuart, what uh what are some of those tweets that stood out to you from uh, from Stewart's feed, yes, or from Tyson's. Yeah, feed. right. Boy, it's 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 a lot. We, we had quite a quite a bit to choose from here, Tyson, which we, which is great. But yeah, we, we tried to pick some some choice tweets, you know, that really kind of apply to the to the topic at hand here. And you know, one of them that I wanted to hit on here real quick uh, is is a pretty short and direct one, but uh, I think it's going to generate an interesting conversation. The EVs of the class of 016, where are they now? Right. So, uh, you know, what what prompted that? What kind of reaction did you did you get to to, to that one, Tyson? Gone like my hair. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. um, Again, the class of 16, you know, model year 16 EVs. 
Um, very few have survived to, to model year 21, which is sort of staggering. Um, I mean, we're talking about, you know, vehicles, um, you know, as varied as the, the Mercedes-Benz, uh, you know, B-Class um, through uh, a lot of basically the, the, the hatchback, uh, ha hatchbacks with EVs in them, the, the subcompact vehicles. Um, it, it's sort of staggering the amount of money that was invested to to launch those vehicles and, and get those in market. Um, you know, and, and many of them were, dare I say, compliance cars um, that automakers were just kind of you know testing the water, or they took an existing vehicle and put a powertrain in it, like the Ford Focus EV. And right. it turned out these vehicles had very limited range um, and, and were you know relatively expensive relative to compact and subcompact cars. Um, and and they're almost all dead now. I mean, Nissan Leaf. And, and Model S are, are basically the only two survivors uh, from that, that era to, to today. Yeah. Um, so we lost an entire generation. I mean, uh, basically what I would call version 1.0 uh, is dead yeah. uh, with the exception mm. of, of just a, a very small handful of, of you know, EVs. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this, Tyson. I, I saw the list uh, on your tweet, yeah, and I know some of those were PHEVs. So, you know, I mean, logically you could say, you know, PHEVs have kind of subsided maybe. Is there a market for PHEVs going forward? You know, I, I wish there was, Brent. That's, that's like, <laughs> in my opinion, the perfect vehicle for the perfect uh, technology, at least for, for American consumers. You know, we, we have a, a commute to the interstate and then we drive down the interstate, uh, you know, 10, 20, 30 miles to a job and then we commute on surface streets again. Um, PHEVs would make perfect sense for, for, that, uh, for that kind of driving. And yet, uh, you know, the Volt failed pretty quickly because consumers just seem confused at the idea of, you mean I plug it and I fill it mm -hmm. with fuel? Like, what is this thing? It's, yeah. it's a neither nor. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, and and I, I, in my opinion, that's it's a great compromise and it's something that I think would, would work well with consumers. Now, we are seeing some success there. I mean, the Wrangler PHEV um, and, and the, the Toyota RAV4 Prime uh, are both doing fantastic right now and are finding very good audiences. Uh, but in general, I don't see the future being through PHEVs, uh, un unfortunately. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it, it seemed like a pretty good compromise, like you said, and, and, and that was sort of my prevailing thought. And not that long ago, I had a conversation with a chief engineer responsible for some BEVs at, a, at an OE. And his response was, you know, PHEVs are not good electric vehicles and they're not good ice vehicles, right? They kind of straddle yeah. the line between the two. And when you try to be two things, you're, right. you're neither one. And so, you know, when you look at it from that perspective, it does kind of question the, the viability of, of PHAVs. But like you're saying, there's, there's yeah. some interest there. Yeah, I mean, you still have the, the service and maintenance schedule of an ICE and you have to go to a gas station. Uh, which is one of the big advantages of mm -hmm. not, you know, exactly. with the EVs not having to go to a gas station anymore. Um, so you, you get all you get those yeah. disadvantages. Yeah. But again, there are clear advantages of it. You know, um, you could just jump in the car and drive to Vegas for the weekend and not worry at all about mm -hmm. range. I mean, that isn't mm -hmm. that what the American dream is, is to to cut loose on the weekend and go somewhere far away. Right. Um, and so uh, it, it mm -hmm. offers all that. But again, it, it loses a lot of the advantages of EVs um, is particularly in the sense of the cost of ownership. Uh, would be significantly higher for anything with with dual technology. I mean, just sure. you know, it just sounds expensive. Sure, sure. Mm -hmm. So a, another one we wanted yeah. to cover, Tyson. This was on on incentive spending and um, at the, at the federal some some of the federal pledges as well. And I, I thought the way that you framed this tweet up is really kind of 
positions it in a way maybe a lot of people aren't thinking about. But but you said Biden's pledge to spend $174 billion on EV incentives would be 40% of all incentive dollars spent in 2019, assuming 10-year straight line implementation, all dollars consumer facing. It would make the federal government the top spender in the industry by over 70% based on 019. So that's it. And then you, you you go on to say there's a lot of assumptions here, not not an expert dissecting political promises. Uh, but I, I thought that was really intriguing in terms of couching and in terms of overall share of, of incentive spin. It's just crazy. Um, it, any thoughts on that or in, any additional comments on that one? And that's the old days of incentive spend. You know, nowadays, yeah. uh, and spend is only about 40% of those levels. So if the government is going to come in and spend about $17 billion a year, they're going to be the biggest spender by about 4x over anyone else. I mean, it's, we're Amazing. just talking about a massive contribution here. Uh, you know, incentive spend used to be around $4,000 a unit. Um, and when you talk about, you know, spending on, on these kind of levels, $12,500 per unit for an EV is some of the proposals. I mean, you just, you get a sense of the scale of, of what we're talking about here. And that's before automaker incentives. Right. Um, and so it, it would just be a, a massive investment if, if it goes ahead, you know, as promised. Um, certainly not all of it mm -hmm. is going to go toward uh, toward infrastructure and, and, and chargers and, you know, where, where it's always needed. Um, but it, it's just, it would be an, an enormous play there by the federal government if, if they go ahead with those levels. No doubt. Thank you so much, everybody, for joining us today on the Current Drive podcast. Uh, we hope you got something out of it and it helped inform your perspective a bit more, maybe a little bit more, maybe a lot more. I, I, I don't know uh, on, on what's happening with, with electric vehicles. Definitely want to give a huge thanks, huge shout out to, uh, to Tyson Jomini for, for being our guest. Thank you so much, Tyson. Uh, for joining us. Yep. And remember, you can you can follow Tyson on Twitter at Tyson underscore Jomini. Yes. Hopefully, we've given you good reason to do just that, right? He's got some great some great tweets out there. So uh, great stuff. Yep. Thank, thank you, Tyson. Awesome. Um, big shout out to our production team, of course, as well. Uh, Joe Hamarano, uh, Dan Sharp, Chris Rosichuk. Thank you guys for sure. Uh, on behalf of. Uh, of, of, of those of us here at J.D. Power. Uh, you know, really thank the, uh, all the listeners out there for joining in. Uh, we're going to have all kinds of exciting topics planned for the show. We're going to have guests from automakers and, and charging companies, and, and we're going to have social media influencers on here, uh, people from the energy sector, all, all kinds of great guests. So lots of ex exciting stuff to come. Again, please subscribe. Uh, to Current Drive on YouTube, wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, Brent was talking about Twitter. Uh, you can definitely kind of follow us there at Current underscore Drive. Uh, Brent, any any closing comments we're missing there? Yeah, I, I think that you know we've got a lot planned with the Current Drive pro podcast. As you mentioned, Stuart, we're going to have uh, an exciting lineup of guests to talk about a lot of different topics. So. You know, stay tuned for some interesting, exciting topics in the EV space. And if there's any comments or topics that you'd like to learn more about, you know, uh, drop us a line through that uh, Twitter account or on YouTube where you can find the Current Drive podcast. Thank you, guys.